0: Well, good morning to you at Maranatha. Maranatha. Our Lord comes, and I'm excited about that. What a day that's going to be. But until he does, we keep serving. Amen? We keep witnessing. Uh, we keep watching. Uh, we keep standing for the truth of his, of his word. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know we're delighted to have you with us today. We praise God that you're here and worshiping with us. And again, extend the invitation to stay and, and fellowship with us. Uh, there are a lot of ladies some guys downstairs right now working to get uh, the dinner and all ready for us uh, as soon as the service is over. So we encourage you to stay and, and fellowship with us uh, after, the, after the worship service. Last Sunday we uh, started a, a, a sermon called Reason to Serve. And I want to do part two of that this morning. "A Reason to Serve, part two. Last week the message was all about redemption. And the fact that we've been saved to the uttermost, the fact that we have eternal life, uh, the fact that we have been justified by God, we have been sanctified by God, we have been glorified by God, uh, is a great reason to serve. Amen? It's all God's work. That's the thing we need to realize about our salvation is It's all the work of God. Salvation is by works. It's just not ours. That's the thing we need to understand. That salvation, our salvation is by works. It's the works of God. In in Titus 3, 5, when it says, Not by works of righteousness that we've done. Well, that's absolutely true. It's the works that God has done on our behalf. The fact that we are declared righteous is a work based on God's finished work on Calvary's cross. The fact that we have been sanctified is God's work. The fact that we have been glorified. And it's all about how we identify with Christ Jesus. It has everything to do with our identification with him because we are in christ we have been buried we we have been crucified with him we have been buried we have been resurrected we have ascended we are seated with him because of who we are in christ we are part of christ's body it is the work of the holy spirit that has placed us in the body of christ And the good thing about the body of Christ and being in the body of Christ is we have a glorious head to that body, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And God recognizes us, Christian, believer, as being in the body. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as we go through these scriptures, and know we've got a lot of scriptures this morning. Tim says, yes we do. And he's going to have them all up there, because he always does. But you can use your Bible too, right? Mark them. 1 Timothy chapter 12, verse 12, says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles whether we be bond or free and have all been made to drink unto one spirit look at verse uh, 27 of that same chapter 1 Corinthians 12:27 now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You are members of that body. He's the head. You are members of that body. Folks, we're talking about here a perfect salvation, the perfect salvation. And we have the privilege, we have the duty, we have the calling. It is our job to share the news of that perfect salvation That someone can have in christ the question this morning that i want to ask and put before you is what measures will we go to to reach the lost with that message of salvation god certainly went to an extreme measure to draw us to himself kind of reminds me of a really slick brochure that I got in the mail years and years ago. It was the slickest brochure I had ever seen. This brochure was so enticing. It was beautiful. It was from the Lumiere place when they first opened. You ever heard? I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been there. I'm just going to ask you if you've ever heard of it the Lumiere place. It was so attractive. It was so well done. It was the slickest invitation to come and lose your money someplace that I've ever seen in my life. Do you know what that brochure had that just, wow, it it told me they really cared about me? It, It told me that I was special to them? It not only had my address It had a map in that brochure from my house to the Lumiere place. Now, how they did that, because folks, I promise, I've never been there. Not going to go there, but I'd never, I I don't, how in the world did they get my address? I guess that was common, but how did they know a a map? Did everybody have, or, or am I just special and they really wanted me there? So they actually had a a map from Owensville, Missouri all the way to wherever they're located. But i got to tell you what it did is it made me feel really, really special. To what measure are we, the body of Christ, St. Louis Bible Fellowship willing to go to in order to reach somebody and share the gospel with them? We're not selling anything. We're giving it away. And it's not just about a few hours of fun and and frolic or whatever they do down there. What, What we're talking about is eternal. Eternal. But when I stop and think of the extreme measure that they went to entice me to come down, it shames us. Or it did me. As the church, what length are we going to go to to reach the lost for Christ Jesus? And we're all responsible. Every single person sitting here, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, you are responsible for carrying out the mission that God has called you to do, and that is to be an ambassador for Christ. Every one of us, and we've talked about this so many times, and guess what, we're going to continue talking about it. We have been made ministers of the word of reconciliation. How exciting that should be to us. We get to tell people that God has gone to such an extent to make sure that their salvation is bought and paid for and that they can come to know Christ and be reconnected to God. So we're all ambassadors called on to share that message. Now the question is, what kind of ambassador are we going to be? Are we going to be an ambassador that takes that job and responsibility seriously? Or are we going to be ambassadors that pretty much just ignore that calling that's on our lives? Let me remind you something. Romans chapter 14, verse 12, tells us that we're all going to have to give an account of himself to God. Every one of us. Not only of all of us here who know the Lord Jesus going to heaven, you must give an account of yourself to God. It's what God's Word says. Now, for folks, this is not for judgment. This is not for condemnation. It is for reward. It's the, seat. It's the reward seat of Christ. It's not whether or not you're going to have that salvation taken away. That's not what it is. But we are all going to stand before the Lord and give an answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 goes into even more detail about it. For we must all... And we've talked before about what that word all means. What does it mean? All. Yeah. For we all, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he's done, whether it be good or bad. Again, not for condemnation, but for reward. And there are going to be the loss of reward. First Corinthians 3 talks about that. We need to be aware of that as we live our daily lives. Taking seriously our ministry of reconciliation. Not just taking seriously our ministry of reconciliation, but also taking seriously the fact that we are to be faithful stewards of the mystery that has been delivered unto us and to guard that precious deposit that's been delivered to us. As you contemplate your service to the Lord, is it with gladness and determination to, be, to do more Or is the thought that comes to your mind one of wasted years? Wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Wasted years. I remember listening to a message several years ago from a preacher that he was talking about wasted years and people that go through their life and they never share the gospel, they never understand uh, uh, the importance of, of being that ambassador for Christ. And he was relaying a story, telling a story about two guys that were in his church, and they both were going to retire early. One was 59, the other was 51 and they were going to retire early, and he was talking to them or talk, or talking to them about that retirement. And then during the this, this sermon, he was really critical of these guys because he asked one man, well, what are you going to do in your retirement? He said, you know, I'm just going to go to the beach, and I'm going to walk along the beach, and I'm going to pick up seashells. That's what I want to do. I, I want to pick up seashells. I'm tired. I want to pick up seashells. And he was like, Seychelles? And he asked the other one, and he said, what are you going to do in your retirement? He said, I'm buying a boat. I'm going to buy a sailboat. And I'm going to sail around the Caribbean and up the Atlantic, and I'm just going to sail. I want to sail. And he started talking about how these two guys were an example of wasted lives, wasted years and how they were just throwing away some of the better years of their life. And I thought about that. Kept thinking about that. And I thought, well, maybe. Perhaps. But the thought came to me. I concluded this scripturally. And you tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. And you can do it later when we're eating. you have to shout it out. But... I concluded scripturally that it's not what you do in your life, but what is your purpose for doing it? It's not so much what you do, but what is your purpose for doing what you're doing in life? Does what you do in your life measure up, and I'm going to give you the scripture that I think we base this on, does your life measure measure up to Colossians 3.17 because it is not a waste. It's not wasted years if you embrace this verse as your verse. Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever you do in word, picking up seashells, or going sailing, or deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. See, that is the basis. Whatever you do, whatever you enjoy, we need to understand that our first and foremost purpose in life is sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, whether we're gardening or we're doing mechanic work or we're doing whatever we're doing, house cleaning, we do it unto the Lord and for His glory. When we do that, there's no such thing as wasted years. Yeah, if you just walk around the seashore and you pick up seashells and that's, not, that's all you ever do. But, oh, if you're doing it because you're going to meet people on that, on that uh, bank. And they're going to say, what are you doing? And you're going to say, I'm picking up she seashells. Thinking about how good God's been to me. Can I tell you how good how good God's been to me? See, it it's it's not what you do, it's the message that you bring to what it is that you're doing. First Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 31 falls right in line with that scripture. And whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, well, that carries in a that includes a whole bunch of stuff. Whatever you do, you do it all to the glory of God. See, there's no wasted years when you do that. Now someone says, well, whatever I do, what if I robbed a bank? And I go, don't be silly. That's just being silly. You can't do something evil for the glory of God. You can't do something that's contrary to His righteousness for the glory of God. Everything you do can be done for the glory of God. I've got to tell you, I'm glad that fishing and golf can be done for the glory of God. And if somebody wants to go sailing, as long as you invite me to go along, you can do that. I'll make sure that we do it for the glory of God. If you have a boat and you invite, we'll go. Just putting that out there. A life is not wasted. Or a life is wasted only. Only if you haven't given that life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That life is wasted because He gave His life for you. What a Savior. But a life is wasted if you don't accept the fact that you have been bought with a price that you are no longer your own, but you belong to Him. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. Start with verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and that you are not your own believer? Take that personally. Look at verse 20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. You no, know, what surprises me that God wants this body. But, you know, he's going to change it. He didn't want it in this condition. I don't want it in this condition. He's going to change it. But it belongs to him. So whatever I do, I want my desires to do it for his his glory. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Realizing that we have been bought with a price. We're not our own. Now, there are seven key Uh, Truths that as Christians we need to get our mind around we need to grasp and take a hold of seven key truths that we need to accept we need to apply and we need to think This, this needs to be our attitude I think it's all part of the renewing of our mind all part of the renewing of our mind number one we need to understand this glorious truth we sort of started out with it but I want, to, I want to emphasize it a little more Christian listen you need to think of yourself you need to see yourself as being in Christ that you are part of his body and he has placed you in that body, his body, exactly where he wants you to serve. I got to thinking about, which book could I go to that would really talk about being in Christ? Well, to pick any of the 13 Pauline epistles and it's going to be a major. But I don't... I don't need a book. I can just take one chapter, one chapter of a book to tell you how much the Holy Spirit emphasized being in Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting with verse 1. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. I think it's like 33 times Paul talks about being in Christ. Verse 2, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Who is the Beloved? This is my Beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You start getting kind of a theme here as Paul is writing to this church the emphasis, the importance of being in Christ. How do you get in Christ? The moment you believe, it is, as we talked about a while ago, the Holy Spirit takes you and the Holy Spirit places you, baptizes you, seals you in Christ. In Christ. How important that is. Look at verse 7 of that Ephesians 1 in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace verse 9 having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself verse 12 that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ over and over and over again. It talks about the importance of being in Christ. To the, look at verse 22. Talk about being in Christ, part of His body, and what an important position that is. Look at verse 22. And hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which means dominion. We're his body; he's the head. There's an important relationship here, and it's to be taken seriously. But look at verse thirty-three or twenty-three, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This thought just blows my mind. In Colossians, we're talk, we're told that we are complete in Christ. There's there's no one of those in Christ. In Colossians we we're told we are complete in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that glorious? Isn't that something to praise God over and about? Well, here's what it says, that Christ is complete because of us. We f- just as he f- we we fill him up. That's the relationship that God the Father desires for the church, his body to have with him. What a glorious position. That is something to celebrate. That is something to to praise Him over and take seriously that we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, eternity awaits. So that's one of the seven. We need to take seriously being in Christ. The second thing we need to understand as believers Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. <laughs> there we go again, say you can't get away from that thought. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in christ jesus romans eight thirty eight nothing for I' am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things to come nor th- present or things to come, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That includes my sin. It's already been paid for. It's already been dealt with. Payment in full. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Third thing that we as believers we 've already talked about it, but i don 't throw it out again because I think it 's that important for believers is that you 're not your own you are not your own you have been bought with a price you need to walk around you need to breathe you need to you need to understand regardless of what you 're doing you don 't belong to yourself anymore you have been paid for bought with a price. I remember when our girls were little um, that was four years difference, and when Amy got old enough to kind of watch her sister for a little bit while we would run out and do some, uh, run to the grocery store, Amy was four years older, and being the big sister, and in her mind, much wiser and, and uh, much more capable, she loved to watch her little sister, and she loved to tell her little sister what to do. And usually, it was, Lisa, get in there and clean your room. Uh... It was always dirty. Um, But Lisa had this saying, and maybe your kids use this saying too. When Amy would tell Lisa to do something, and she still uses it today. I mean, now it's a joke. But Lisa would say, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. Anybody else ever said that? Maybe you're not my boss, but you're not the boss of me. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're not. Well, here, i got news for you. God is your boss. He owns you. You belong to Him. You are not your own. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. But you're not your own. Not only are you not your own, but here, let, let's associate this with that, too. Christian, are you ready for this? You're an heir of God. You're an heir of God. No, you're not your own, but you know what? You belong to God, but you're His heir because you are His child. You're an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ. It's Romans 8, 17, 18, and 19 that talks about being an heir of God. And people ask me all the time, all the time, they ask me, What are we going to do when we're in heaven? What's going to be our role? What's going to be our job? I'm telling you right now, the scriptures are probably more silent on that doctrinal truth than any other truth. The Bible just does not truly indicate what it is that the church, the body of Christ, is going to be doing in the heavens, heavenlies. But you know what it tells me here? That we are joint heirs with Christ. That's all I need to know. Everything He inherits, we inherit. We reign with Him. That's all I need to know. I don't care what He has me doing in heaven. I'm His heir. I'm a joint heir. And it's going to be glorious. It is going to be wonderful. It is going to be appropriate. And it is going to show all of creation Just how gracious God is. Part of what we're going to do as the church is we're going to be trophies of God's grace. Trophies of God's grace. That person can be saved? Oh, you bet. So as believers, we need to understand that we're in Christ. As believers, we need to understand that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We need to understand that we are joint heirs with Christ. Now that, didn't, that shouldn't cause you to be boastful and arrogant and spoiled little rich kids at all. It should be humbling. Humbling. The fifth thing, the fifth thing, you need to understand, folks, is if you're in Christ, you've been made a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is probably the verse I quote more than any other verse. And if you've been going here along to Bible fellowship, you can say, Yeah, he does. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, how did you get in Christ? You believed. That Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And when you believe that, the Holy Spirit takes you and places you in Christ and seals you until the day of redemption. And you become a new creation. Look at there. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's perfect salvation. That's perfect forgiveness. And I praise God for that. The sixth thing we need to remember as believers is that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. That you can trust it to be true. It is never going to disappoint. There will never be a challenge brought against the Bible that's going to win the argument ever, ever. A lost world, a sinful world, a skeptic world, a hostile world. Yeah, they're going to want to burn it. They're going to want to destroy it. But let me remind you, they've tried and they've never been successful. Because this is the living inspired word of God. We can trust it. We can apply it. And we can learn it. We're to do everything but ignore it. Amen. Not ignore it. Second Timothy 3:16 tells us that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it is God breathed. It's inspired it's, it, it's inspired of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Wow, what a book, What a book. It does all those things. You can trust it to do all of those things in truth. The only thing, let me beg you, let me plead with you not to do, and that's ignore it. Study it. The seventh thing is believers. We need to admit. We need to acknowledge. We need to believe That we're in spiritual warfare. You are saved to the uttermost. You are going to heaven. Heaven is your home. You're going to be here seated this very moment with Christ in the heavenlies. But while we're here on earth, this is not our home. The Scripture tells us that Satan is the god of this world. This world is not friendly And we are involved in spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Starting with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. As you listen to the news, as you watch the news, as you contemplate all the craziness that's going on in the world today, Let me tell you who's in charge of all of that. Who is at the top of that pyramid that's leading all of that craziness and that evil and that wickedness? It's Satan. It's demonic powers that we're wrestling against. This world is not going to be friendly to the church. And the fact that it has been causes me to worry about the church and our message and our stand for the truth of God. You know, uh, Faye and I recently watched a, a mystery on uh, on TV, uh, Midsummer Murders, or something like that. It's it's one of those uh, usually really good uh, mysteries. Uh, clean and wholesome and, and uh, you know, it, somebody gets killed. I guess that's not wholesome, but anyway, but that's okay. They find out who did it. But uh, we were watching one, and the Christians were the crazies. the The Christians were the ones that were really weird, and you didn't want to like. They had a group of witches, and Satanists, and uh, nature nature loving. Uh, Empaths, I think is what they call them, what they call them, but anyway, they were friendly, they were happy, they were with it. You know, and I watched that and I thought that is so typical of the world's attitude and position toward us. It's completely the opposite. But this world that Satan is the god of, that's the image that he wants to portray. It is the evil that seems to be happy. And those that are good, why? They're evil. They're crazy. It's because we're in a spiritual warfare. This world is not going to love you. This world is not going to think highly of you. Christians, we need to understand that we are in spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. God warns us about that because they exist. And we're crazy for not acknowledging what they throw at us. You know what the basic ABCs are of the Christian faith? The basic ABCs of the Christian faith and how they affect our walk before the Lord, and also man, are these. A is for attitude. Christians, we need to have an attitude that resembles, or really, not even resembles, but is the mind of Christ. Attitude. Uh, uh, Attitude that's the mind of Christ, that's humble, but also understanding we are victorious in Christ. That attitude that we have a purpose. We you have a purpose. You're not just thrown out there and you're left to your own devices. Well that's God having a purpose for you. You have an atti- have the right attitude. Philippians 2.5 says the attitude we're to have is let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I don't think believers today have the right attitude. They need to have the attitude, the mind of Christ. B is for behavior. The ABCs of the Christian faith, B stands for Behavior. Godliness, God says, Be you holy as I am holy, holy. Romans twelve, one says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but what? Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. This whole part of the attitude behavior that God would have us demonstrate. And C is for calling. Oh, folks, this is, our calling is on high. Our calling is to understand that we are seated this very moment with Christ in the heavenlies. By virtue of you being part of the body of Christ. Heaven awaits, it, maybe right now you go, I don't feel too heavenly. But in the mind of God, that's where you're seated. And that spells victory for you to understand that is your position. That is your high calling. Those are the ABCs of the Christian faith. But I also added a D. You know what the ABCDs of the Christian faith are? The D, believers, is to demonstrate your faith. To demonstrate your faith. Romans 1:16: "After I got saved, it was it, this became the verse that I just embraced, that I chose to be my, my verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. but especially the part, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. God calls us to demonstrate our faith. You're going to have a D, we need to have an E too, right? Okay, so the ABCDEs of the Christian faith. And who knows, we might, a year long, we might go through the whole alphabet. But we'll stop at E for this sermon. The ABCDEs of the Christian faith salvation is offered to everyone. Everyone. That God is not willing that any should perish. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If anyone ever tells you that God only died for a select elect few, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Because it's not true. Christ died for all. His sacrifice is on behalf of everyone. So folks, if you want to retire and pick up eggshells, oh, seashells. If you want to retire and pick up eggshells, that's, that's okay too. But if you want to retire and pick up seashells, you do it for the glory of God, and it's okay to do. If you want to buy a boat and sell the Caribbean and ask me to go along, That's okay to do, as long as you do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. That means for His glory. Your body is the Lord's. Your spirit is the Lord's. And by His power, by His might, by His authority, you have been changed, made a new creation. And one of these days, you're you're going to be raised incorruptible, immortal, to rule and reign with Him forever. And I, I want to stress this, and then we'll be done. that's going to be history one day. You realize that that you being raised incorruptible that you being raised mortal or uh, to, uh, to be raised to be immortal that's coming. One of these days that event that we call the rapture when Christ calls his church home when we realize that all of this is just absolutely truthful right now we accept it by faith one of these days we're going to see just how true it is one of these days we're going to know by sight not just by faith that how true it is one day it's going to be history and my hope and my prayer is that you're not left behind My hope and prayer one of these days is you're not watching the news and go, Oh, I'm one of those left behind. I wasn't caught up. Or just as important, if you're on your deathbed and you are taking your final breath, the last thought that runs through your mind is not, Wasted years. Wasted years oh how foolish I'm lost I'm lost hell awaits but you have that assurance that you're going to close your eyes in death and open them in life everlasting let's pray Father we come before you and how we thank you for this perfect perfect salvation and Father you've called us to be your ambassadors, to be your witness. Father, not only have you called us, Father, you have made us heirs of God. You have made us joint heirs of Christ. You have made us part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a position. Father, may we understand and embrace the importance of, of that mission, that purpose that you've placed upon us. Now, Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's never by faith trusted you. Father, may they understand from this sermon that there's not a work, there's not a deed, there's nothing that they can do to earn it, to buy it, that it's all by your grace, and it is a gift that you offer to all who believe. And Father, may we understand that there's no such thing as easy believism or cheap grace. And Father, it's all based on Christ on Calvary's cross and there was nothing easy, nothing cheap about that. Oh, Father, we thank you for your perfect salvation. If there's anyone here that's never by faith trusted, I pray that this will be the very moment the Holy Spirit will just move on their hearts and they'll believe, and they'll become that new creation. We pray these things in that precious, wonderful name of Christ Jesus, who's Lord of all. Amen.